Before we begin, I want to inform everyone about Hub City Design. Hub City Design does screen printing and embroidery. Hub City Design does custom leather patch tats, laser engravings, you name it. Oh, and Hub City Design doesn't want to offend any grandmas out there, but there's no one on this earth that can stitch as fast as the Hub City Design machines. Running at 1,200 stitches per minute, they are able to get quality embroidery done fast. Oh, and Hub City Design, they enable all businesses to slap their logo onto just about anything. I mean, I personally have a hat from Hub City Design, as well as a tumbler with a double T engraving on it. Hub City Design is a company founded by Texas Tech alumni. So go support your fellow Red Raiders or go treat yourself by visiting hubcitydesignlbk.com. You can also check them out on Instagram at hubcitydesignlbk. Welcome to another episode of the Drew's Crew Podcast. Today we are joined by a guest who needs no introduction, Keenan Evans. Evans on his own. Oh How good is this guy? How good is Keenan Evans, not only in this game, but all year long? Evans drives it and finishes again. Evans. Yes! Game over! Keenan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Andrew. So, and I'm going to interview you like I wasn't your roommate for the two years and like I know nothing about you. Okay, so you grew up in Richardson and you went to Berkner High School. Were you varsity sophomore year? Uh, yeah, I started varsity freshman year. I went freshman JV. You started as a freshman? Not not like started in the lineup, but I went up and got some minutes on varsity, oh, okay. some gotcha. games. What did you average junior and senior year at Berkner? You got to know junior these numbers. I have no idea. Senior year only averaged like twenty one six. Only six only twenty one. Yeah, so bad. Yeah, it's so I mean, terrible. You, you see, you see the kids nowadays. It's like fifty points, fifty. Yeah, but there's also like kids that are like they, they have. It's almost like they have a deal with their coach. Like like, hey, I really need to average twenty five a game in order for me to get a scholarship at this certain school. So it's like they're feeding yeah. them the ball over and over. Mm-hmm. Which is probably what you did, anyways. Um, all right, so let's see. Okay, so your dad was an Olympic high jumper, so you obviously have some athletic genes there. My question to you is, did you ever consider going the high jump route, or have you ever high jumped? No, it was in uh, junior high. I did it 7th and 8th grade, and then uh, freshman year I was going to try to do it, but it just kind of interfered. You know, it was after basketball season, so it kind of interfered when you were gearing up for AAU. Mm. So, so was basketball the like, only sport you played? basketball. Yeah, so, so basketball is the only sport you played in high school. Uh, yeah, only, yep. Hmm. If you, here's a question I'm going to ask. If you couldn't play basketball, what sport would you have chose? Like if somebody came and said, hey, Keenan, look, we're not going to allow you to play basketball, which one would you have chose? Um, back then or like right now I can make a choice? Uh, let's go right now. Uh, I play baseball right now. Baseball? Yeah. Really? Baseball or soccer? Baseball or soccer? Did you grow up playing those sports? No, never. But you're so you're just like I'd try that. I'd be good at it anyways. I would never play football. I don't even think I want my kids playing football. And why is that? Just because all the CTE and concussion stuff. Man, it's just dangerous. Yeah, it's just dangerous, man. It's crazy. It's insane. I remember talking to Norrence about football, and I was like, Norrence, you have the perfect like body and physique to play football. And he said, Yeah. Well, there was one time I was playing, and uh, so I was DN, and this running back 
put his face mask right on my ankles when I was trying to rush the quarterback. And I said, all right, I'm done. I'm taking off my helmet. I'm done with this. I'm going to, I'm going to the basketball court. I can just imagine Norris doing that in football pads. Like. <laughs> so you said you stopped doing high jump in middle school. So that would have been, what, eighth grade? Do you, yeah. Do you recall like what was the highest um, bar you reached, like uh, your, the, the highest height that you, that you cleared? Um, I was probably like 6'1". Six 6'1 one. Six one in middle school? Jeez, man. Okay, I want to go ahead and get into this question. So right now you're in Bosnia, and we're doing this podcast here around Christmas time. And with the career that you've chose, I mean, kind of, it's kind of chose you, but uh, you're, you're not going to be able to come home for Christmas, correct? Yep, correct. And so what is, what is that like? Because I know you have two, two siblings, two younger siblings, Caleb mm-hmm. and Cameron. How old are they again? Remind me. Uh, five and six, and then I have the 18-year-old sister that's uh, Kennedy. Yeah, that's right. And so what is it like being in Bosnia and not being able to come home for Christmas? Like, Just kind of talk to me a little bit about that. Uh, it's um, it's kind of you know sad, sad story type deal. But <laughs> at the end of the day, it, it makes it's just so much uh, worth it once I actually come back to the States and get to see everybody. Like, already this is the longest I've went without seeing family. And right. I still have, like, three more months to go. So it just makes that, that day when I'm about to see them and step off the plane that it just makes it even even better. But, I mean, last year when I was with the Pistons, I actually got called up by them around this time. So I was staying in a hotel for Christmas and didn't get to see my family. That then, is right. So. That is right. So it's, I already kind of got used to it from that, but, you know, being in a different country, it's completely different. So oh, yeah, we'll see that, how it goes. Do you talk to your family every day or once a week or what? I mean, a man, uh, every day. I try to stay in contact, see, see uh, how my siblings are doing, what's new. Um, sometimes just sit on FaceTime and watch them run around, <laughs> get on funny. my parents' nerves. That's funny. So. Cameron and Caleb, this is just a question off the top of my head that I'm curious about. So my siblings, I have an older sister and a younger brother, you know that, and they're they're yep. right around my age. But with Cameron and Caleb being so much younger than you are, like what what are the advantages of having siblings that aren't near your age, I guess? Or disadvantages? Um, disadvantages is, I mean, for, for some someone else, I feel like, or just, you know, people in general, you just don't want to be a failure in life and let them down. Mm. And you want to be that complete role model. Mm. So just, you know, just trying to be that, you know, that grade A big brother and look yeah. out for them and stuff like that is just what I want to do. But advantages is they, they keep me young. They keep me, you know, making funny videos with them. They, you know, even when they're older and I'm younger, I'll still be hip to whatever they're doing. <laughs> They'll just keep me young for, uh, you know, for forever. I like that. Yeah, that's a good point. And speaking of age, what? how old were you when you graduated high school? I was 17. Gra- yeah, 17. So you graduated in 2014. Yeah. 14, yeah. And but I, I turned, yeah, I turned 18 going into freshman year of tech, like once, yeah, I, which is, once the school year started. Which is uncommon. So the, the point I'm bringing up is, yeah. I mean, you're – uh, you're a year ahead of me in eligibility purposes, um, well, at least for college basketball. But you, you're only two days older than I am. So when you were younger, did you or your family ever think about holding you back, or were you just like, "Hey, dude, I'm Keenan Evans. It doesn't matter. I don't need to be held back. I'm just gonna, <laughs> none of this is, none of this matters." No, um, that's the one thing that I did hate growing up was like playing against kids that um, 
got held back and then they would be like ranked higher than you and I'm like of course like he's two years older than me he's a year older than me and they're trying to compare and I'm like you know at this age it's a big difference but I kind of looked at it as like I mean you're young when you get to college age isn't really going to matter you're going to have to you know battle with seniors when you're a pro you know it's going to be the same way nobody's looking at age it's how how can you perform what are you are you going to be able to you know hang with them so at, at that point it really didn't matter, and it was kind of already late to even think about that type of thing. Yeah, I can understand that. That makes sense, but but also it's like, dude, if like we you would you could have been on the Texas Tech roster last year, and I think we yeah. definitely would have won the national championship. But instead, I mean, now we're runner ups. Now we have a we have a Final Four banner, but I think maybe if you would have got held back, we'd all be Texas Tech would have a national championship. But that brings me to. That brings me to um, a question. So, growing up, I want to talk about the recruiting process. So, when did you realize like that you were really good enough to play at the college level and get a scholarship? Maybe it was day one. I don't know. Um, first time I actually started noticing that was ninth grade. It, it was either going to ninth grade or after. I think after my ninth grade summer, like I guess going into the tenth grade. I'd be going against, like, my co AU coach would tell me, hey, this guy is, you know, top ranked, and, you know, to get your name out there, you have to do good against him. So, you know, I took on the challenge, and towards the end of that summer, after, you know, AAU was done, I had got my first college letter and in the mail, and that was just, like, one of the greatest villains in the world. So Who was that letter from? There. Ah, oh, man. I'm trying to honestly, let me, oh, I, can, I have no idea. It was, like, a really, your really. first letter? I don't, but it was like a really low, low major. A low major? Like, yes, very low. When did you get your but first? But it was just exciting. When did you, yeah, I bet. When did you get your first offer from a high major? Uh, and all I'd this. I'd probably say my junior, my junior year. Junior year? It start, yeah, junior year, I got my first high major. And I think that was from maybe, it was either Rice or Tulsa. Rice or Tulsa. And what were the other schools that you had offers from? Um, I had some from like Colorado, Colorado State, a couple other Big Twelve schools like Texas, Kansas State, and it was also you know a lot of other schools, but you know they were kind of late on the bus, and mm. you know to those teams I kind of just you know you weren't there from the beginning of my senior year, and I just kind of stayed true to the teams that you know were there from you know yeah. the beginning. And so, would you say that? I mean, it seems like nowadays, like, dude, you can go play high school, and that's great, but most most kids playing basketball, they they gain all their offers and their exposure through kind of the AAU circuit, and they're not playing. Like, their high school games sometimes aren't as serious just because, I don't know, a scout, I mean, there are scouts. Like, if like let's say a coach targets a player. Like, he knows who he's going to recruit, and he's going to yeah. go to the, that kid's high school game just to show him, like, hey, I support you, and I care about you. Like, I, want, I really want you to come to our school. But it seems like all the – the analyzing people's games comes in AAU. Would you say that's correct? Was that your experience? For sure. Um, you know, the college coaches, they come, they come watch you practice. They, you know, talk to your high school coach, see how you are as a player, because that's more of a team environment. But of course, in AAU, that's top talent. Um, they like seeing people go head to head, especially when it's, you know, two, let's say it's two top centers in the country. They yeah. want to see how. How they play against, um, you know, top talent, top tier talent. Because in high school, you know, you have those 
give me games where you just go out there, get yeah. your stats, and coach puts you on the bench and lets yeah. you know the Andrew Soros runs around. Oh around my god! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, so he you know. get those guys sometime. Hey, I feel I feel bad because yeah, because in college, obviously, I was that guy. I was the guy on the bench that came in at the end of the game after Keenan got us up twenty. Or if like I always try to stay on your good side just because of like, hey, Keenan, like at least I know we're gonna win this game, but can you run up the score quick so I can get in? But in high school, obviously it wasn't like that. I mean, obviously I was the guy. But there was one game that we were up by like 30. And I had a streak going of I'd hit a three-pointer in every game that season. And it was the last game of our regular season. And so our coach Mm -hmm. cleared the bench except for me because he was like, hey, let's let's get this guy's record. Let's keep this guy's record. And so we're up 30 and all the bench warmers are in. And, like, of course, they haven't scored much all season, so all the crowd's wanting them to get the ball. But then I'm being, like, I'm looking like an a-hole because I'm not passing it to them because I'm trying to get my record. I'm trying to keep my record. And so, like, the student section is, like, booing me for, like, shooting. But, yeah. Did you get it? No, I didn't get it. I know, pretty anticlimactic story, but no. Yeah, I didn't. I missed it. No. I was, like, freaking 0 of 5 in the last three minutes. So, so you didn't pass and you didn't get the record. Yeah, it was worst-case scenario. Right. It was a lose-lose. Yeah. Okay. So let's now let's uh, shift to so the recruiting process. Why did you choose Tech? You got offered by Texas. Um, Tubby Smith was the coach at the time. He was the one that recruited you. Uh, mm-hmm. Talk to me about that recruiting process. It was just I wanted teams who were there from the like early on in my senior year, and not the end. I didn't want to wait too long, and I wanted to be um, you know one of those guys and early to show them that, you know, I'm truly invested in them and it's not a last-minute situation. And I saw potential playing time. I saw the best conference in basketball personally. And also when I saw Zach and Justin, you know, potentially on board to come to Texas Tech, I was just like, you know, this could be something special, especially with Norris as well. So this was, you know, definitely something that we – I knew a program, program could grow into to be, be like a contender. Yeah, so you knew – I mean, I'm sure you knew about Zach just because he played over in Plano and you were in Richardson, so you guys probably yeah. knew each other, correct? Yeah, we played against each other a couple times in AAU and high school. But then would you – did you meet Justin on, like, your official visits at Texas Tech and stuff like that? No, I met Justin when it was move-in day. You know, oh, really? we had talked on Twitter a couple times, but – my first time meeting him was moving day into the dorms. Did y'all have like a gr- did y'all have like a group message saying like, "Hey, if you guys commit, then I'll commit, or if if you guys don't commit, I'm not committing, or something like that." <laughs> nah, I wish, but I had a you know I had it going on for myself, so I'm like researching on Twitter in the search bar every day, like Justin Gray, Zach Smith, like <laughs> what are their thoughts? Where are they going to visit? Yeah, so are they I actually going like, to go to Tech? Yeah, so once I saw the interest is going up, when they were kind of narrowing it down, I said, okay. Okay, it's time. It's time. <laughs> yeah, it's time. So does um was Tubby the main guy that recruits? Because I know in the recruiting process, uh, mm-hmm. everyone seems to have their guy. Like, is there as far as assistant coaches, they all recruit. Mm-hmm. Like, I know Joe Esposito was heavily involved in the recruiting. Coach Pooh Williams was heavily involved. Was yeah. Tubby just the main guy that came and saw you? Or was there also an assistant that was always coming to your games? Uh, Coach Pooh Williams. He was a guy that you know was there from the beginning. Um, he he was there at first by itself and then I guess when they got pretty serious, uh, Coach Tubby started showing up and then that's when, you know, home visits. Yep. And even after I committed, you know, when whenever they were in town recruiting in general, they would just come by and swing by the house or come by and watch me practice. I think Coach Exposito came one time, so that was pretty cool. That is cool. Um, okay, so now 
Oh, speaking of that, home visits, obviously, I mean, I didn't get a home visit, but are home visits kind of <laughs> awkward? Like, do they just say, hey, I'm going to be here on this day and be ready? Um, I'm coming into your house. No, um, from what I remember, it's just kind of like, that's even before, you know, you commit. The home visits are before you commit. So Yeah, obviously, they're going to do a home like, visit after you commit. They're like, he's already committed. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to his house again. <laughs> yeah, but um, they just, you know, want to get to know you better and get to know your, your, your family instead of just coming to high school and meeting your coaches and stuff. So they would just come to, to see your family, get to know your background, everything about you, see, you know, living environment and just, you know, get to know you better on a, a deeper understanding. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, now we're going to – we're not even going to really talk – I mean, your freshman year at Tech, you started, I believe, a lot of the games. And, and, then, that, and then your sophomore year was my freshman year. That's when we met, and then we made the NCAA tournament that year, mm-hmm. which was the first time that Texas Tech had made the NCAA tournament in a while. And I'm bringing that up because shortly after the NCAA tournament, um, I mean, we all remember that uh, Tubby Smith decided to take his talents to Memphis. And I actually remember uh, it was kind of a crazy process, mm-hmm. how, a crazy process how it happened. We were just in practice, and of course, nowadays you can see and find rumors all over social media and the internet and we saw that he had maybe been thinking about going to memphis and we kind of asked him about it and he kind of brushed yeah. it off like yeah no big deal guys let's just let's keep practicing yeah. let's stay focused the internet. Don't, don't don't believe social yeah don't media. believe that those are, those are just rumors man and then you know the next exactly. day the next day we just see on the internet that tubby smith is going to yeah. memphis and he didn't really uh right, tell right after he said that when it hopped on on the plane <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> but we didn't i mean obviously great coach great guy humble guy always asking about your yeah. family nothing bad about him to say but mm-hmm. uh did he ever i mean did he ever reach out to you after he left texas tech no he never reached out to me um t- the first time i saw him was actually uh i guess high point what, what is it high point yeah, in high north point. carolina yeah or? yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, me and Zach had a G League game against each other, and I guess he messaged Zach and was like, you know, the game's near. I see you playing against Keenan. Is there any way you can save me tickets? And Zach gave him tickets, and he showed up to the game. And um, after the game was over, um, I had, you know, got showered, got on the bus, and some random girl comes up to me. is like, hey, some old man wants to speak to you. Some old and man. I'm like, like, yeah, some old man. And so I'm like <laughs> – um, I don't have no idea. Nobody came to the game for me. I don't have family out here. Like I don't even. Yeah, this really is have sketchy out here. Yeah, yeah. So I get off the bus, go back into the gym, and you know I see him standing, standing. I'm like, oh, okay. Hey, you know, hey, coach, how you doing? Kind of uh, yeah. uh, awkward thing. Like, you know, I was kind of thinking, like, should I punch him now? <laughs> no, no, I'm joking. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, but it was a cool conversation. He was just checking, you know. Of course, you know, checked on the family and just. Just asking how everything went and just telling me, you know, he was proud of, you know, what we accomplished. Yeah, very nice guy. And then, so he leaves and then initially, so obviously a guy like you and everybody else, I'm sure it's going through their head like, okay, our head coach just left. Where do I, where am I going to transfer or who are they going to bring in? What was your initial thought when he left? Was it, hey, I'm going to immediately transfer or was it, let's wait and see who, uh, Kirby Hocutt brings in as the new coach or were you how how was that process for you it was kind of a transfer deal because I don't know 
it was just it was difficult because I feel like at the time at Texas Tech after my sophomore year we we made an NCAA tournament run, but I was kind of just like it's Texas Tech like you know the school for me. I didn't really like the style at first. Um, it was just kind of a tough deal. Um, you didn't like the style regarding like what? You didn't like the like uh, just Tubby's play style. But he, he left, just, so then you know, so he left, so then that's the thing. I I know, but um. It was just difficult because I was like, I don't know. Like, I got to see what coach comes in next and see if I like their style, if they like me. And, you know, because that, that whole situation just moves fast, especially, you know, with summer coming up. You got to – if you're going to another school, you got to get there and start building relationships during the right. summer. Right. So you were kind of set on transferring. But then when when Kirby Hokut announced that he's going to bring in a guy named Coach Beard. Have you ever heard like did when he mentioned that name, Coach Beard? Have you had you had ever heard of him? I, I've seen him in like you know footage. Um, knew he was um, you know worked with Coach Bob Knight back then, and and um, I knew he you know had players that you know coach players that like Daryl Dore that came around all the time. And so once once they announced that, I called up like Todrick. Um, yeah. You know, talked to Daryl. Just talk to you know former people about the type of coach and guy he was. So just had to get all the information and you know do my research. And he also yeah. was pretty cool with um, one of my AAU coaches. And so oh, I okay. talked to my old AAU coach, and you know he gave me the the rundown on him. And you know from there, it sounded like he was somebody I wanted to play for. And then yeah, and then when Coach Beard came in, it wasn't like, hey guys, I'm the new coach. Whoever wants to stay, stay. Like he he recruited everyone like he figured out who he wanted to keep and he recruited everyone so i'm yeah. sure he yep. i mean sought you out as a guy hey i really need this guy to stay in lubbock so i'm sure yeah. he i mean he yeah. went through the process of re-recruiting you correct yes yes I even went around to every each each and everyone's family and uh flew to meet their families right yeah that was big time and yeah. he ended up getting everybody to stay even even his boy Aaron Ross, because I remember Aaron Ross was like, "Man, I'm tired of going through all these coaching changes." Because he'd been two, <laughs> through two already. He's like, "Man, I'm I'm getting out of Lubbock," but then somehow Coach Beard got yeah. him to stay. And I think yeah. it was just man, the man fa- way with his words. Yeah, and then he was, he was a he was definitely a player's coach from the beginning. Mm-hmm. As far as hey, where do you guys want to live? Of course, Norris chooses eighteen nineteen, and <laughs> terrible decision. But we end up he ends up you know helping us out, get us eighteen nineteen. Yeah. Okay, what do you guys need for the locker room? He was always trying to – his philosophy was always, look, if you guys give me everything you got on the court, I'll help you guys I'll help you guys out off the court as far as taking care of yep. everything you need as far as – within the rules, obviously. I mean, um, food, just mm-hmm. making sure your life is so much easier to where all you're worried about on a daily Hold basis is basketball. For the record, Coach Beard pays no one. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not, I wouldn't I wouldn't referring There's to that no at all. Illegal, no illegal – Stuff going yeah, on. I'm just saying. I'm saying within the rules, he's taking care of guys because you know. I mean, there was definitely, yeah. there was definitely a difference in the amount of food, food yeah. and gear we got from yeah. Tubby Smith's staff and Coach Beard's staff. Yeah, and obviously definitely. the same rules. But okay, so Coach Beard, his first year, your junior year, and mm-hmm. obviously, I mean, you you must you had to love his his style of play, Norris. I mean, I don't know if Norris is a fan. He didn't get fed the ball every time. Just to, but you, Coach Beard, um, established head tap, which is, hey, it's late shot clock. If the shot clock's 10 seconds or less, give the ball to number 12 and tap your head and go set him a ball screen 
and don't pass at number 12. That was his philosophy at the late shot clock. And anybody that asked me, hey, how'd you guys get to the Elite Eight? Like, all of a sudden, you guys didn't make the tournament, and you guys get to the Elite Eight. And I, and I said, well, um, I just tap my head. I just go like this. That's how we got there. I just tap my head. And like, what does that mean? I'm like, well, we had, we had a guy named Keenan Evans. He would tap his head late shot clock, and he would go score. It was a pretty simple strategy. Yeah, that was that was that was a funny time, um, especially towards the, you know, end of the my senior year when we run head tab. It was just kind of like I was in that groove and everything would just flow. Second half. Yeah. So, so what would you say uh, is the biggest difference between Coach Beard? This this is going to be an open ended question, uh, kind of a loaded mm-hmm. question. But what would you say is the biggest difference between Tubby Smith and Coach Beard as far as on the court and off the court? Um, you know, you know, uh, Tubby's in, he, he's an old soul. So off the court, he's golf. Um, I don't know, maybe dinners and, you know, just old school stuff, playing pool, right? relaxing by the pool probably. And, you know, Coach Beard off the court, he's recruiting, watching film. Um, you know, he's just now, well, not just now, but getting back on the dating scene. He's actually yeah. engaged now. So yeah. he's finally, you know, becoming a person again. So um, <laughs> he's having having some fun. But they're just, you know, I don't know, but they're completely different. Coach Beard, he can have some fun as well. But on the court, Coach Beard is a, an animal, man. He brings the energy every day. Um, you don't have to do anything to get him started. He's already ready at the start of practice. Uh, Coach Tubby, he's – you know he he'll, he'll coach you hard too, but you know at the beginning of the practice he's kind of relaxed and but let you turn the ball over a couple of times. He's about to, you know, pull a muscle trying to kick a ball, <laughs> and, <laughs> kick a ball, and that. you know, make making sure you understand what he's trying to say to you. I wonder if, yeah, you bring up a good point, but I wonder if when Coach Beard gets to like Tubby Smith's age, if he if he'll still be able to bring that same intensity. I mean, that'll be difficult for a guy that age to be that intense. Man, he'll definitely need some medicine or something <laughs> because that's going to be tough to keep up with. But, yeah, you bring up also another good point about the the relationship deal. I remember Tubby Smith, like every every so often, of course, uh, his wife Donna, great lady, would always make – she made the yeah. best cookies on road trips. Best cookies, oh, my gosh. Those macadamias, oh those were unbelievable. Yes. I missed those. That is the main thing I missed. But uh, yeah, and then um, but I remember like every so often she would come to practice, and he turned into you know the night like all of a sudden he'd be yelling at a player, yelling at the team, and uh-huh. and cussing. All of a sudden Don would walk in and it was there'd be no cussing. He'd be he's a total gentleman. But I remember a practice, particular practice. I don't know if you do. And Donna came in, and then so Tubby would started talking to Donna for a while. And then we're we're scrimmaging, kind of playing, and we kind of get relaxed because you know he's Tubby. Yeah. He went he went and sat down with Donna. Well, then the yeah. next day, you know how Tubby he likes to watch film over practice. Oh my God, yes. And so we're watching film as a group over that practice, and it, it's it's the portion where he was sitting down, and he didn't realize how sloppy it got. And then all of a sudden he starts freaking out about how sloppy it got. And we went out yeah. there and just had one heck of a practice. Yeah. And that's a, that's when I think he he yeah, pulled his hamstring that's... kicking that ball. 20 rows up in the arena <laughs> yeah that it went pretty high too um oh that might have been his last ball he kicked too and it's, it's hard he's not doing that anymore and you were there when um uh, because 
were you there for when Coach Beard uh, tore his ACL in Ames, Iowa? Yeah, you were there. Oh right? my God, that was last. Oh, no, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah yes. you were there. No, that was on your because uh, Zaire didn't screen. Yeah, right? and yeah. Trying to show him how to set a screen, did a hard jump stop and just leg completely went out. Everybody just knew it. <laughs> but those situations instantly, are, and those situations are so uh, awkward because the coach is like legitimately mad and trying to prove a point, and he's yeah, acting all intense, yeah. and all of a sudden he's all of a sudden he's injured, and you're trying to keep a straight face and not laugh. But I remember when Coach Beard did that, like he. He just like set the screen, and all of a sudden his leg gave out, and he fell to the floor, and he was, you know, he was in the middle of yelling at Zaire, yeah. and all of a sudden he's yeah. he's yelling, Chris, Chris, yeah, get man, over here. oh my, I didn't know what to do, and we, you know, he was already mad because we had just lost at Texas, and that was just yeah. like, you know, you don't want to lose versus Texas and at Texas, so it was just like a bad game for us, and then he probably thought we had a couple bad. Bad practices going into the Iowa State game, so that that made it even worse. Yeah, and speaking of Texas losing at Texas, well, we won in Lubbock against Texas, and that's your most memorable game. I'm sure you had lots of great memories from that game. You had, I think it was mm-hmm. 38, and you hit the game winner. But, and I'm going to bring this point up. I'm, I want to highlight this. I mean, you it was almost staged. So, for, for our listeners that don't remember, the game ended in overtime. With the end of regulation, Keenan Evans is the free throw line. And the game is tied. And he tricks, what was it, both free throws or one free throw? One, just one. Okay, made so the you, first, missed the second. Yeah, you made the first, tied it up, and you're like, eh, I want to keep playing. And then missed the second free throw. And at that point, your free throw percentage was like, I don't know, it was something, I mean, in the 80s, 90s or something. And you, yeah. you missed that free throw at the end of regulation. And then we go into overtime, and you make up for it by hitting the game winner. But... Uh, so my question on that is when you hit so you hit the game winner and that you had 38 points and so talk to me about the like okay you probably got this in the post game interview but from what I remember who was who was guarding you at the time was it Roach Yes it was Kerwin uh Kerwin Roach Okay and what move did you do I'm trying to remember cuz you for some reason I thought like maybe there was a con- like you could have been called for a push off or no yeah, it was just like a, a, a dribbling to the right, kind of side step back. But he was kind of riding me, so I had to uh, get his uh, arm bar off of me and try to get the shot up. And then you made the shot, and then what did you say? You turned around and ran to the camera on the other end of the court and said something to the camera. I don't know what it was. But... I think I just I think I think just turned around and just held my hands up like, it's good. And then <laughs> team, teammates came and trampled me, and we accidentally tar- trampled a girl, some student, so – I think we had to send like an apology. Oh, did we really? I don't even remember like, that. Out to her to make sure she was fine. So that was like the only. Oh my! Yeah, you got to watch the video after this. You hit a game winner <laughs> and you went and trucked a girl in the student section. Golly, man, that's wild. Nope, my teammates. We all did it. We, we, oh, we, we all did we it. We're won. all responsible. <laughs> man. Yep. Uh, okay, and so oh yeah, I remember that. That was that was the game where um, you. I don't know. You probably do remember this, but. Uh, that was when I started. I don't know what game it was, but I started to text you like, "Hey, get thirty tonight." Oh my god, yeah. And yeah, you was, and all of a sudden, was, yeah, like we exactly we started winning our games, and like it, was, it becomes like that was the. Uh, it was before the, the game right before um, South Carolina at South Carolina. We oh yeah, that cause, and you went cause off got, at South Carolina. Yeah, 
You then had from some... nine, from then on, it was every game get yeah. thirty. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, hey, get thirty, and you went and got like thirty-three, and I was like, oh, hey, next game I'm gonna have to do the same thing, and you get thirty-eight. I'm like, should I raise the number to forty? Maybe he'll get forty if I say if I tell him to get forty. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Copy and paste every the same message every night. Yeah, and then, and then you would yeah, exactly, and you would have the same response. I don't know what it was. <laughs> and then I tried to pull that uh, <laughs> when you started playing uh, in the G League. Like I or for when you were on the two way with the uh, with the Pistons, I would yeah. I, I think it was like your just one game I saw because I would track and I said oh, he has a game tonight and I'm like I'm gonna send him get thirty tonight and I send that to you thinking like you're gonna copy and paste the original message and like oh let's go it's gonna be a cool moment and you say dude this is yeah. the NBA this is not college I can't just go get thirty <laughs> <laughs> yeah completely different completely different and maybe lower the lower the number to like hey go get. Go get eight assists or something. Don't, yeah, yeah, this exactly. Isn't, this isn't college, man. Wake up. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> okay, let's also – I want to talk. So we end up getting second place in the Big 12 that your senior year. How many points did you average your senior year? I know you know these numbers. Don't act hum- humble. What, what did you uh, average? 17, I think. 17. 17. Okay, and so we, there was a game towards the late uh, – we, we played – at Baylor, your senior year, mm-hmm. and we were, I think we were one game up on Kansas, or we were tied with Kansas. Two games. Two, two we games were two up, games up? Kansas. Yeah, because then we went on that losing streak. Yeah, so we're two games up, and we're playing in Waco, and we're just saying, okay, this is our chance to stay two games up on Kansas. And yeah. um, you ended up getting, you ended up injuring your toe, and so yeah. you were out the rest of the second half. And walk me through kind of what happened in Waco with your toe injury. Um, uh, I drove to the basket. I came to a jump stop and landed on somebody's foot. My uh, left big toe just snapped back, and I felt something pop. Mm. And I just kind of got up, and I felt a little pain in my foot. And I was just kind of limping down the court, and, like, thank God a dead ball happened, and I kind of called for a sub in a hurry. And I walked to the end of the bench, and I was like, looked at Chris, and I kind of whispered so nobody could see, and I was just like, I think I just broke my, my toe. And he was just like, there's no way. And it was like three minutes left in the first half when this happened. Yeah. And I was like, yes, I think I just broke my toe. Like, something doesn't feel right. And so after the three minutes was up, um, uh, we went back to halftime. I didn't go in the locker room to hear the halftime speech. And we I took my shoe off, and – you know, it didn't swell up real quick or anything because, you know, adrenaline was still flowing. The right. game had just happened. Um, but it kind of hurt when I was moving it. And Chris tried to tape it up and got back out there at halftime and tried to move around. I, I couldn't move. I couldn't, you know, do anything. And I was like, I can't go. Like, I can't move. So that was, you know, pretty much the end of that. And then after the game, I went and got an x-ray. And they were just like, yeah, it's fractured. You just, you know, broke this part of the toe. So... And that was, uh, did y'all get the x-ray in Waco? Yeah, in Waco. Went right to the uh, right to the x-ray right after the game. Yeah, that is right. And I remember, I don't know whose um, idea it was. Maybe it was yours, or maybe it was Coach Beard's. Maybe it was Chris's. I don't know. But nobody on our team really knew that you broke your toe outside of a couple people. I think yeah. I, I heard through Norrance, I think, that you had broke that you had broke your toe because mm-hmm. Coach Beard. I, I don't know, maybe if it was his decision, but he just kind of announced to the team that your toe was there, there was a there was a little fracture in there, like made it seem like it was no big deal, so nobody would panic because yeah. obviously yeah. 
the reaction that Chris had when you told him, hey, I just think I broke my toe. Chris was like, you're kidding me. Like, that's yeah. how everyone would be. You know, it would kind of deflate. Yeah. It would kind of deflate the team knowing our best player just broke his toe. Like, what the heck? Are, yeah. But so who, whose decision was that? Like, what was the conversation like when you talked to Coach Beard? Like, hey, this toe is – like, I just broke my toe. Um, It was just kind of – you think you can, like, play on it? Like, what's, well, that's what we were asking the doctor. Like, will it get worse if I play on it? And if, and if it doesn't, we can't announce it to the media yet because we don't want, you know, players – trying to isolate me and, like, attack me on defense and, you know, just do things to try to make it worse. So it was kind of all a group idea, me, Chris, and Coach Beard, to just keep it under wraps until the end of uh, the season. Yeah, and I knew – I mean, I kind of knew the whole time, but, yeah, you bring up a good point that that's probably the right approach just because, yeah, like as you just said, like if you if, – if I know that this guy has a broken toe, well, then I'm going to tell – hey. Just put him in a ball screen situation and whatever, like try to get number twelve on you and then go by. The guy has a broken toe. It was your yeah. right. It was your right foot. Left. Left foot. Left foot. Mm-hmm. And it was your big toe, right? Yes. Yeah, your left big toe. So it's and so but so that has obviously on defense. It's all about pushing off and changing directions. So like yeah, exactly. if, if people knew that you had a broken toe, the coaches yeah. might say, hey, put him in a situation to where. He's guarding us. We want to make it tough on him because he has a broken toe. Exactly. And after the season, when I was at the the draft combine in Chicago, I had me and Malik Newman came in on the same flight. And, and Malik Newman, to we remind our listeners, car, he was like, "It's uh, yeah." Yeah, Malik Newman is. He oh, Malik played Newman. At, he played at uh, Kansas. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he was just like, "It's funny." Um, because our game plan for that game, um, when we had college game day in Lubbock, he was just like Coach uh, Bill Seth would just just told the team put Keenan in ball screens or when he, whenever you isolated with isolated with him just attack him. And I was like, of course, you know, smart coach. He noticed that had foot injuries, so he tried to expose that. Or yeah, is either that or he was just trying to get you in foul trouble. Who knows? But yeah, I think yeah, true. No one, Coach Self, Hall of Fame coach, he probably. He probably had a hint that it was a little bit more than just a hairline fracture or whatever. Yeah. But, okay, so going into that, so we lose to Baylor. Obviously, once you got hurt, we lose to Baylor because you didn't play that second half. Then I think we went and played at Oklahoma State. You didn't play it. You didn't, you, did you even suit up for that game? No, I think you did. You played I like did. two I played, minutes. Played, yeah, I played at the part of the first half, but not a lot, and then sat out for the rest of the game. And we lost that game, of course, and – uh, I remember that game was weird because we lost, and Texas Tech normally, I mean, is the underdog, and up to that point mm-hmm. it was, and they stormed the court, yeah. and yeah. after we yeah, lost, exactly. I was like, "What the heck is going on? Like, is there is there about to be a riot?" And I'm like, "Oh crap! Yeah. You know, we are ranked top ten. Yeah. So that yeah, was a little that weird, was unexpected, completely unexpected. And then we played after that. We played at West Virginia. It, no, I think well, it was Kansas next, then at West Virginia. Yeah, yeah, Kansas and then at West Virginia. Yeah. And so everybody remembers the college game day against Kansas. We lose with Graham hitting that miracle shot layup over Man, Zach miracle. Smith, and they uh, so they won that game. And then we go to West Virginia, and we did. We were, <laughs> I think we were uh, doing some load management against West Virginia that last game. Once we realized we yeah, weren't going to win the Big me, Twelve. Zach. And Justin Gray was sitting out. <laughs> you, Zach, Justin, and there might have even been one more. But I remember that because – and shoot around. Like, I mean, shoot around. Like, I would take it 
semi-serious, but I'm just like, okay, like I'm probably not going to play. But I remember yeah. Coach, Coach Berg. go into March Madness and this is something I really respect because I don't I don't know you know the exact diagnosis that your doctor gave you and it would it probably would have been better if you sat out the rest of the season after you broke your toe I mean in order to heal it you would have had a better mm-hmm. um, you probably would have had a better performance um, as far as you do you think because you didn't really participate in the NBA combine because of the toe injury right yeah, nothing. I was in a um, boot. I was on a scooter for a part of it. Would it have been possible for you to participate in the combine if you would have sat out right? I mean, right after you found out that it was broken against Baylor? No, they said whether either way, and that was really the main the main factor of me uh, continuing to play was the fact that I was going to miss the entire draft process anyway. Okay, yeah, that makes sense then. But yeah, I really. I really respect, and most people didn't even realize it. But yeah, you were playing on a broken toe that entire, um, the entire March of our Elite Eight run, and mm-hmm. most people would always say like, "Oh, dude, Keenan Evans is having, you know, he's just a second half player. If Keenan Evans would play like that in the put first two half, together. yeah, put yeah. two halves <laughs> together, then he'd be scoring like sixty points a game, because we'd be like down at halftime, yeah. and Keenan, and then you would take over and get like." 20 in the second half but people didn't realize like in the locker room at halftime explain what was going on um i would go in um i can't remember the name of the numb and medicine but i basically get numb and medicine injected into my foot and that's when um you know the real keenan would come out or (laughs) almost 100 percent keenan would come out and i actually get to play and have fun and be pain-free but as soon as that 20, 20 minutes uh, ran out in that second half. It's the, the pain just comes back, and I have to immediately just go back to ice bucket. So, so as far as the the first half, you obviously feel it, and then why why couldn't they? Is there a reason why they couldn't give you you know two doses, like one right before the game and then one at halftime, so you're you're fresh both halves? Like what was the what was the strategy uh, there? Um, I think it was just uh, if it was. You know, we had one game left in our season, two games, but they didn't want to, and I also didn't want them to just be injecting me yeah. with stuff. Just doping you much. up. Yeah, just doping me up. I'm out there. Because I also took, like, little um, pain pills, too, with the um, – and I took those before the game, so I just didn't want to be out there, you know, doped up on drugs and, you know, something bad could happen to my foot. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, we – I mean, that's – that was, I mean, you should, they should put a, they should build a statue in Lubbock of you just because of that, just because of the fact that you were injured, you had a broken toe, and then you took the program to Elite Eight. And not everybody I know, realizes. I was talking to um, uh, Kirby <laughs> about this. I was telling him right in front of the, the basket, the new practice facility, there should be a statue <laughs> yeah. of me right there. But, you know, we'll He's, see what's, what happens. He'll, we'll he'll, see. he'll probably, his message, his reply would, would have probably been, okay, Keenan, look, you're making all this money now playing professionally <laughs> basketball. Donate a little bit of money to this practice facility, and then we'll put up yeah. a statue. I called Dibs on uh, donating, you know, maybe $50, $50 to get my name above some toilet or something. And it's the Keenan Evans toilet or something. I don't know. We'll see. Keenan Evans toilet. 
<laughs> That's funny. Um, okay, another question I have. Uh, so I remember I would sit with you on the bus sometimes after games, and after we beat Florida, so that was the round of 32, so that sent us to the Sweet 16. That game was mm-hmm. in Dallas, and that was a good game. You had, you obviously went off again. And I remember, because that's a huge stage, March Madness. Everybody watches March Madness. Mm-hmm. And and I remember you were showing me your phone, and not in a bragatory way, but your followers were skyrocketing. Like your your followers were just going up like mm-hmm. 10 followers every 10 seconds. Like you were getting a follower every second. And so my question is, yeah. regarding that is, how do you stay focused with all that stuff going on? Um, For the most part, it's pretty easy. I'm not the one that just, you know, needs all of the attention on social media, um, especially at that time. It was just, you know, a really important time in my life where I needed to focus on the tournament, the team. And for the most part, when it comes to social media, I just really like laughing at funny videos. Yeah. So all the other stuff, all the other, you know, people messaging you and stuff, stuff of that nature, it didn't really bother me i mean it was cool you know people want to follow you or send you messages saying hey big fan stuff like that it was it was cool but for the most part it's just uh, i needed to focus and continue winning and get the team ready to go yeah we 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 really appreciate that i'm sure lubbock does as well but as far as so you're saying i mean obviously your direct messages are blowing up your anybody who's ever met you i'm sure you're you know, your kindergarten, your first grade teacher reaching out, you know, because everybody that knows you and sees that, they want to reach out and just congratulate you and let you, let you know how proud they are of you. But it's like, yeah. did you, during that time, did you reply to all, did you try to reply to all those messages or did you just wait, hey, after the season, then I'll reply to all these people? Definitely not. Um, pretty much, you know, your closer friends you will reply to, but even – even besides social media, everybody in Lubbock that you're cool with, not even, you know, the greatest of friends with that has your number will text you after the game, like, good game, like, next round. And, you know, you can even really just reply to them. So pretty much after every game, it was just, you know, teammates are right there. So you talk to them about the game and, you know, just, you know, your your close family is really who I would contact, you know, talk to my parents, FaceTime them right after the game. Yeah, you should have. Um, maybe you should have just went Kevin Gates style and got two phones. Yeah, needed that <laughs> at a time. Uh, okay, so <laughs> let's see here. Now I want to shift to. Okay, so obviously we went to. Well, no, I want to ask you this question. So against Villanova, Elite Eight. In my opinion, yeah. I mean that was one of the best college teams I've ever seen. What was your take on yeah. the Villanova game and their talent that they had? Man, their team—they were loaded. They were absolutely loaded. That's the best team I've ever played in college before too and the Oklahoma team Buddy Hill senior year was a close second oh but yeah that team was stacked they they were a great like everybody on the court could shoot and that made it really hard for us to get in certain defenses especially for me to move guarding such a talented you know point guard and uh, shooting guard and I think they had four draft picks or five draft picks that year yeah so that that was really a tough team to um, you know play against. No man, they were they were the real deal. And so you finished up your college career, your senior year, with first team All Big Twelve honors, and then second. I mean, you know this. I'm just saying it to the listeners. I know you know, mm-hmm. but second team, you were second team All American, and then you were added to the late season watch list for the Wooden Award and Bob Cousy Award, which are very prestigious um, awards. Which I think, and most people would think that. 
if you if the toe injury never happened, that you would have. I mean, I'm bringing this up. I know I hate to bring it up, but you 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 would have you probably would have won the Wooden Award had you not injured your toe. Because had you not injured your toe, we would have probably beat Baylor. We probably would have beat Oklahoma State, and that means we. I mean, we probably would have had a great chance of winning the Big Twelve that year. And normally, I mean. With the years that both you and Devontae Graham had that year in our conference, it was kind of just whoever wins the conference is going to get this wooden award. And Kansas, Kansas ended up winning the conference because, in my opinion, yeah. because you got injured. So he got the wooden award. And so my point is, or not my point, but my question is going into, leading into, so you went um, you went undra- you went undrafted, just be- in my opinion, because of the the toe injury that yeah. you couldn't go to the NBA Combine workout, and mm-hmm. nobody really knew. Like nobody, it's it's hard. At, I mean, because all these GMs and all the people higher up in the NBA that are running these um, organizations, yeah. it's hard for them to take a chance on somebody that's injured because they don't, they really don't know the absolute uh, yeah. the severe the severity of the injury, and. So, but you ended up getting selected. Uh, I think you didn't you sign. It was the Golden State Warriors you signed with for their summer league team, right? No, it was just they had invited me, and and I was thinking. And my agent had told me, and was just like, I was like, I don't know. I'll think about it, and I don't know what happened, but it slipped through the cracks. And before I knew it, like everybody was saying that I was going. Even you know the Texas Texas Tech men's basketball account had tweeted it, and I hadn't even you know told them that so it was just kind of confusing to how that just got out like that yeah yeah okay and now that you mentioned that I have, I have another question so for people that don't know our listeners most people probably don't know how the process works of selecting an agent once you leave college walk me through the process of how you selected your agent it's almost like selecting a college you just I just had um, and this is at the time I had my surgery so I'm just back at home uh, resting, and I was just like, I might as well go ahead knock the, knock all of this out before I head back to Lubbock yeah. to finish school. And it was just, um, you set up home visits, and you really just get to know them. They get to know you, and you figure out, you know, what kind of connects do they have, and do you like them as a person? Can can they sell you to, you know, certain teams or, you know, just anything can they sell you do are they lying what kind yeah. of you trust you know, can you trust person them? are they yeah can i trust them so it's just basically almost like picking a new college but in a much much short uh shorter time span and essentially you're trusting them with i mean your career mm-hmm. um okay so you selected who was the agent you chose again like what uh, organization with okay. octagon that's right octagon which is the same who's some of the i guess more like the guys in the that are currently playing in the NBA that are with Octagon, uh, Steph Curry. That's right. Uh, Dante Divincenzo, who was with the Villanova yep. team, yep. beat us. Uh, Giannis uh, Antetokounmpo. Yep. Um, there's a lot. Yeah, yeah, a lot of other players. Luau Dang, I think. Um, it's a, it's a lot of lot of players. Um, just scattered all across the NBA with Octagon. Okay, now that you've explained that, uh, so then you ultimately ended up signing a two-way contract with the Detroit Pistons. Yeah. And a two-way contract, it's kind of, I mean, it hasn't been around for, you know, just 10 years or whatever. So most so, people are yeah. kind of unfamiliar <laughs> with the two-way contract two-way contract concept. Uh, yeah. Can you explain kind of what the two-way contract means? 
Uh, it's basically, you know, you're, you go to training camp with them. You, you do all the, you know, do, do that with them. And then you, once training camp's over, you go through um, <clears throat> preseason with the team. And then you get sent down to the G League affiliate. And basically, the, depend, they have a max of 45 days to bring you up and practice with the team or play a game with the team. And then... Um, you get paid. Yeah, you get. Do you get compensated by like if if they bring you up for one game? Do you get compensated by game or how does that work? Uh, you get compensated by yeah, basically by game or you know by day. Like you just you get you get the money on your next check. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, right. however many days you spend with the the team is what you see on your next check. But with a two way contract, forty five days, I guess, is the maximum. Is the max. Okay. Yep. Exactly. Makes sense. Okay, and then you went to uh, what was it? It was the Grand the Grand Rapids Drive, right? That's the that's the um, well that's, that's G League team for the Pistons, and then Delaware Blue Coats is where I got got traded to. Um, and that's the G League affiliate G League of what team? Philadelphia Seventy Sixers. Right, and then so you played there. What's what's the biggest difference in your opinion between uh, Division One college basketball, like the Big Twelve, and um, the G League, which I, I mean, the G League, like I've watched a couple G League games, but in my assessment, the Big mm-hmm. Twelve. I mean, obviously, there's way more talent in the G League because it's you're professionals yeah. and you get to that point by having yeah. a prestigious and honorable college career. But mm-hmm. in college, there's kind of more, not, not not necessarily more riding on the line, but guys, it seems like guys play harder. But that also might be the be the uh, be the reasoning, be a result of that. You're playing two games a week, and then in the NBA and the G League, mm-hmm. both you have back to back sometimes. So, kind of explain the differences yeah. between Big Twelve basketball and then the the G League with um, with the Delaware Blue Coats. I mean, it's just you know basically the same as the NBA, but just a lower level down. Um, um, all the rules are the same as the NBA. Um, you know, the talent, everybody's talented in the G League and just like they're in the G League they can be on the NBA team the next season so you just it's just a grind down there uh, what's different I feel like the the biggest aspect is you know everybody's trying to showcase their talents instead mm. of you know trying to win so mm. it can get really selfish out there and it can turn into a, a pickup game mm. so most people are like you know the G League this is my time to shine this is you know my my time to uh, shine in front of a GM, so they'll get lost in trying to um, impress them to where they, you know, make themselves look bad. And most people just don't understand that. That makes sense. When the team looks good, and ev- that means everybody looks good. And I felt like that was something huge for, you know, a, co- a college team, especially Texas Tech. When every when we win, the whole team looks good, and everybody gets looked at. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, the G League, every, everybody's trying to show out so they can try to maybe get promoted to the NBA. Because if they're not taking, you know, ten shots a yep. game in the G League, I mean, they're going to take some. They're going to take some more difficult shots that they probably normally wouldn't take if they're trying to win, just to try to get uh, more exposure of doing well so they can get promoted to the NBA. But it makes sense because I mean, yep. in college, you know, you take a bad shot. I mean, I guess not you, Coach Beard, didn't care if you took a shot when you were triple teamed, but. <laughs> But other guys, you take a bad shot, he's yanking you out of the game, and you're not going to go back in because it's about yeah, it's all about yeah, winning. Exactly. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Yeah, but 
definitely, especially depending on your role. Just like in the NBA, you see the types of shots the superstars take, and and no matter what, you know, it's just kind of, you know, keep just keep going, just keep playing. And then, so now I want to uh, discuss, I want to transition into where you are now. You're in Bosnia playing. And talk to yes. about the process of why you decided to go to Bosnia and the team. The team you play for, um, I, I don't really know how to pronounce it, but I, I always refer to it as like the, the car Kia, like I like I go Kia. Is that how you <laughs> yeah, say it? Yeah, I, I go Kia. Yeah. Okay, I go Kia. That's how I remembered it because like the car Kia. Yeah. So I I go Kia. But uh, yeah, exactly. So talk to me about the process of why you decided to take your talents to Bosnia. Um, main reason why I decided to go overseas is just. The fact that the the ball doesn't bounce for forever, um, and I was talking to after the G League, I mean after the summer league, um, after we won the championship with Memphis, right. I was talking to one of the assistant coaches, and we were just in a taxi on the way back to the hotel, and he was just like, you know, even if nobody signs you before this season, um, he was like, I think you're really close to making it to the NBA, and but if nobody signs you this season, I just want you to take this advice from me make as much money from playing basketball. The ball doesn't always bounce for forever. People go overseas all the time and come back. Um and just don't 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 let don't get stuck in the G League trying to, you know, make it make it to the NBA like some of these other guys do and, you know, get lost in their pride. And so that's that's a big a big major um reason why I went uh I came overseas is because, you know, I got stuff I want to do in life and the G League isn't going to be able to pay for it. And, you know, there's still a chance I could go back to the States and, you know, get signed with the NBA team. And so my my, my goal hasn't changed. My, my destination hasn't changed. And I'm still eyes on the prize with, you know, making the NBA team and being on a full contract. So this is just, you know, a, a short detour that I'm on right now. But I still have, you know, goals. Right. So that, I mean, what I'm gathering is that, I mean, obviously, you have NBA talent, and you could play in the NBA. Mm-hmm. But the NBA is such an exclusive fraternity. I mean, those guys are mm-hmm. the freaks of the freaks, and you belong in that yeah. category. But also, <laughs> like if you're not a su- like obviously an NBA superstar, like they're going to be, they're going to be in the league. Like there's no way a Russell Westbrook doesn't end up in the NBA. But yeah. below those superstars, it's kind of a level playing field, and it takes a little bit of luck yeah. to get somebody to get an organization to take a chance on you. Yeah, like there's exactly. a little bit of luck involved, and mm-hmm. you're saying that uh, that your coach from when uh, when you're in that taxi in Vegas after the summer league is pretty much saying that this is what I'm trying to gather. This is how I'm interpreting what you just said. Yeah, uh, that guys uh, spend their whole lives with too much pride trying to say, "Hey, I'm going to make the NBA. I'm going to make the NBA. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make the NBA," and they spend their yep. whole career in the G League, which mm-hmm. pays. What would you say a G League salary is like eighty, eighty thousand, seventy thousand? No, like thirty-five. Oh, really? Thirty-five? 30, yeah, yeah, forty. Yeah. But a Just regular G League contract. What about a two-way contract? Two-way is it starts at like seventy-five or eighty, and then your forty-five days it goes up from there. Right, and so yeah. guys spend their whole lives in the G League trying to get lucky you know, or get, yeah. and then they don't end up. Um, you know, they, they don't end up, you know, like you said, the ball doesn't always bounce. It, mm-hmm. it doesn't bounce your whole life. So try to, don't, don't have too much pride where you're staying in the G League your whole life. Go, like, if you can go play overseas for more money, go do that. 
for yourself mm-hmm. and for your family and get compensated to the best you can. <clears throat> exactly. And this isn't like, you know, the old days where um, there's no scouts or anything over here. Scouts are everywhere now. So you just got to, you know, go prove yourself. Go Just do the best you can wherever you play. There's, you know, game footage online. Social media is big. You know, it helps a lot of people. Yeah. So scouts will see you. So you just, you know, got to do your thing. Yeah, it's not like you're leaving the country and all of a sudden you're like, well, I gave up on the NBA. It's just like you're, exactly. you're leaving the country and I'm going to get compensated more for my abilities. And and there's going to be coaches and scout. There's going to be scouts. The word will get around. And yeah. you could, there's still a chance you can make the NBA. Um, yeah. So, so you're in Bosnia. Tell me, my first question about that is, what's the biggest difference, non-basketball difference, between Bosnia and here in the United States? Uh, everything. Um, you just look and see the difference, whether it be the structure of buildings, the the food, the way people dress, the way um, the cars look. Every every car over here is kind of like uh, built like a go car. There's some people who have nice cars, but... Most cars are kind of built like go karts, and but everything you, uh, just kind of looks rugged in a way. You don't have a car out there, do you? Oh no, I do. Oh, you do? Oh, wow. Yeah, you got me a little go kart. <laughs> got you a go kart. <laughs> yeah. I can see you driving around, cruising around in a go kart. Is is public yeah. transportation big over there? Yes, big, big, big. Um, they take even even certain certain players on the team, um, like some of the younger guys, they'll catch a bus real quick to uh, a bigger city about 20 minutes away. How many? And I think the, the bus routes run all the time. So it's kind of, it kind of looks like, you know, Texas Tech campus. That's how often I see buses okay. um, being driven around. So buses are constantly going through and picking people up. What about, um? so mm-hmm. you, how, how many Americans are on your team right now? Uh, we have four. You have four Americans, and is there any? I know in overseas there's rules sometimes about how many can play at a time, but is there a rule in in this league about how many Americans can be on the court at the same time or not? Uh, I don't think so because we've all been on the court at the same time. Okay. Together. What's the biggest difference between the style of play in this? I mean, obviously every team probably has three or four Americans, so it's not changed dramatically, but. Is there a difference? And if there is one, explain the difference between uh, the style of play in Bosnia and the style of play uh, here in the States. Uh, That's a huge difference. Um, In the U.S., you know, in the NBA, it's kind of like we want threes and no mid-range shots and all layups. And that's kind of the opposite over here. Well, you know, they want three uh, layups, but – that mid-range shot is, you know, the coach is saying shoot it. Shoot it whenever you want. Um, they want threes. And it's kind of like every team you play against is like watching a 2010 Spurs team. Oh, really? So it's kind of like, yeah, you know, they're they're smart. They, 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 they have certain skills that, you know, Americans don't see, just smart stuff that you can pick up on. And it's kind of cool to see and take stuff from their game and add it to yours. I mean, you know, but then they also, you know, lack certain stuff that Americans don't. But the game is just um, way more physical. Um, you can almost say dirty in a way is way more dirty over really? here. But it's kind of funny how they, um, you know, they call fouls or like technicals. And um, 
um, you know, stuff like like I got my first technical over here. You because, got a tech? Yeah, I've never got a tech before except the ref thought I was hanging on a rim, probably, and that's it. <laughs> but so I got my first professional tech over here um, for hanging on the rim. Seven footer. No, 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 no. Listen, listen. Okay. So it was a pick and uh, we were in a we were on defense and. You know, they were in a pick-and-roll situation, and I'm on help side, and I'm supposed to be tagging the big man uh, whenever he gets the ball. So they come off the pick-and-roll, and he throws it to the big man on the roll, and I'm right there, and this, this guy's a seven-footer. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, God. Like, I'm, I'm about to have to take a charge, yeah. uh, Coach Adams style. Yeah. So <laughs> I take a charge, and, of course, I'm not about to sit there and just, you know, take all the – the body of a, yeah. a, a seven footer, so I kind of sell it a little bit, and Flop. I get up, and they was like, they were like a blocking foul, and he flopped tech. I was like, they give you a tech? They gave, they give techs in the league I'm playing for flops. No so way. I got a tech. Yeah, so I got a tech because they thought I flopped, but I actually like you know got some contact, but I saw yeah. it a little bit. So if so that, that was so the referee has, it's up to their. I guess discretion of whether you tried to yeah. oversell it or not, and you can and they can, you can get a technical exactly. for that. But yeah, so I got up and I was kind of looking at my teammates and I was like, "Wait, what just happened? Like, I got a tech. What did I do? Like, I just tried to take a charge." And it was like, "Oh, you the ref thinks you flop, so um, you get a tech." And I was just like, "Oh my goodness, I had no idea. I had no idea." Welcome to Bosnia. I know. <laughs> What is your team? Is is the has the Igo Kia? I know you guys say you, you guys play like the Spurs, and their basketball IQ is maybe a little bit higher than the guys over here in the states. But if have they not adopted the head tap yet, the Keenan Evans head tap, like, hey, give me the ball and get out of the way. Funny thing is, we they kind of do that situation, but we call it fist when it's towards the end of the game. Mm, fist. But it's it's not as easy as it was in college. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I mean, you can't just go by them like nothing. I mean, it's not. Yeah. yeah I mean, they're, these guys are professionals. Yeah, exactly. Making so, a lot of money. Yeah, we, we kind of get in those situations, but um, it's just we call it a different name. Okay, and then now, so what's your what's the process like in Bosnia? Because, I, I mean, obviously I'm very aware of the Coach Beard process, of everything that goes into uh, being a part of the program, being a player in that program as far as the individual workouts, as far as weights, practice. How is it over there? Like, What's the process like in, in Bosnia on your team? Um, it's kind of just like during the college, um, college winter break or whatever, how the athletes stay, the basketball team stays and you kind of have two a day sometimes and then, you know, have your weight session. It's just, it's just really, you know, it's just like that, you know, you don't have class or anything. So some days it may be a two a day, some days maybe may one practice. And I feel like something different over here is that we get after like contact way more than we did mm. in practice in the in the states that's the big difference to me we actually play way more well how many how many games do y'all have a week T- two we have two games a week kind of like college style okay and then what uh what resources do you guys have access to i mean i know in college you have access to pretty much everything you have a nutritionist you have your own weight coach your own trainer do you have to pay for that um on your like out of your own pocket or does the team provide that no yeah, they have um, you know, we have a strength coach. We go through weights, you know, every 3 3 days or so. And when it comes to food, like nutrition, like nutritionists, it's not sometimes not the healthiest food, but we have a restaurant that the team pay that we go to for, you know, like lunch and dinner every day if we want to. But mm-hmm. other than that, 
Um, we could just travel around and eat whatever we want for the most part. Right. Okay. And then another question people commonly have about overseas is, I mean, obviously, depending on the country you play in and depending on your uh, value, the the actual pay is diverse. So, but as far as your paycheck, what all of that? I mean, from what I understand, playing overseas, it's it's tax free, isn't it? And they kind of pay for your rent as well. So everything you're making is profit. Is that correct? Or basically, yeah. Um, apartment paid for, car paid for, um, you know, flights paid for, and pretty much you just pocket in, pocket in the money and just sending it back to your account in the U.S. Perfect. Um, that's a that's a perfect scenario. <laughs> tax free. Uh, okay, and then. So, uh, so obviously in Lubbock, you know, away from basketball during Christmas break, you have, you know, have, you have your guys, you have, you know, Norris, whatever, you have your teammates, they're all Americans, you understand them, you're in the, you're in the mm-hmm. States, there's things to do, but outside of basketball in Bosnia, what do you normally do? Um, for the most part, I come back, I, it's kind of tough at times because being seven hours ahead of everyone, seven, eight hours ahead of everyone kind of throws everything off, but I'll I'll get start knocking out Netflix shows. Um, um, stay tuned. To, um, Drew's <laughs> no, no, ideas on no, the way, no, no. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but uh, I'll knock out Netflix shows. I'll play the game, um, and I really get on here to talk to my friends and just you know keep in touch with them. We play the same games together, so that'll be fun. I've been to the movies out here. The movies here they have um. I played in English, and they have the subtitles for, you know, Bosnian language oh, really? at the bottom. Yeah, so that's that's pretty cool. Um, might go to a bowling alley out here soon, pretty soon. There you and go. then also, um, I like trying different restaurants. Mm. So, uh, oh, yeah, make sure you go to a uh, real bowling alley. You know, Norris would always say, you know, I remember going to a bowling alley and a bowling alley with Norris and Excuses. we kind of we had a too slick. yeah it's yeah too, we, we had a friendly yeah. wager like hey let's bet let's who gets the highest score I'm like okay and we're at main event and he's like this and I beat him this ain't no real bowling alley man this is so, too so slick you're saying yeah we're breaking NCAA rules yeah we're breaking wow, NCAA this, rules this some I mean we're crazy. it's gone now so it's over now I mean there's nothing they can do to us now <laughs> it's all over but yeah we were we had a friendly wager and according to Norris Odiase a, a main event bowling alley is not a regulation bowling alley. Yeah, yeah, he's it's an excuse for him with anything he does. Yeah, so you watch a lot of Netflix. Uh, what is your most recent uh, fa- uh, your most recent Netflix series that you've watched recently? Um, this show called Dirty John, man. Um, Dirty it's John. It's actually based on yeah, based on a true story of this woman who this so-called con man who's a doctor was dating this woman. And it just kind of starts from there, and it gets out of hand. How people are crazy. Mm. And is it? I mean, it's not. It's a hold on. Well, Dirty John. I've never seen it. Is it? Because I know Netflix uh, varies kind of in which country you're in. I remember going to Europe, and the Netflix shows yeah. and movies were different. I wonder if it's. Yeah. I wonder if we have it here. No, y'all do. Um, okay, I have some do? friends. I have uh, like my friends actually told me about it. That's over there. They're okay. actually watching it. Gotcha, and I find most people watch that watch Netflix. They're watching it uh, not for the movies, but for the actual Netflix series. Mm-hmm. But um, okay, so that brings me into okay. So when you play, you said you mentioned you play the game. You play. I know you play Xbox, and you. Mm-hmm. I bet it's harder now to play with your 
with your friends and your Xbox fridge just because I mean right now yeah it's I mean it's you're, it's a seven hour difference and yeah. uh, but when you do play I know you were big into Fortnite for a little bit who was the best Fortnite player you've played with like on your team and who, who's like your favorite group Zach to play with Smith. well every day I play with a uh, Chris Chris Williams trainer <laughs> he's hilarious he Texas Tech yeah so me and him will play every day. Um, and he's actually waiting for me right now to get on, so that, that's pretty funny. But Zach was the absolute. Yeah, Zach is unbelievable. Best player I've played with, and Andrew was probably worst to play with. Yeah. Him, and, him and Norris. Yeah. Him and Norris are competing yeah, for I've played, last, Yeah, I've played spot. Fortnite maybe a total of four times, and I don't play on Xbox. So I, even if I was good, I wouldn't be playing with you guys, you cats. But, yeah, Zach, dude, he's unbelievable. Um, uh, Yeah, Zach would bring – We'd go on road trips and be like a one-day road trip, and he's bringing his Xbox just so he can play. Like, and we don't have a whole lot of free time with Coach Beard. Like, you have like, uh, yeah. you know, like two hours here and there in the day to like maybe sit down and rest and take a nap. He'd fire up Fortnite, and I'm just seeing him yeah. get like ten kills. My, like, oh my gosh! But yeah, it was uh, easy for him. Okay, and then so, okay, my last question uh, is: What is your favorite, I've asked everybody that's played for Coach Beard this question. What is your favorite Coach Beard story? And you may not have one off the top of your head. I think it would be my favorite Coach Beard story. It's just kind of a simple one. Um, every time, I guess we'd have we'd be having a bad practice or it'd be after a loss. Um, you know, coaches come in and they look for anything to be mad about. And so when um, – practice isn't going as well as it needs to be and you know if you're if you're not subbed in at the moment going in practice you're basically on the sideline you have to continuously just clap for (laughs) for everybody that's playing on the court or in the drill so if you aren't clapping and he just kind of like calls out each person that doesn't clap you're too good to clap like (laughs) your team right like you too good for us and so he just kind of you know calls out everybody and tell them they need to clap, and you basically you're just over there, just you know, doing a round of applause the it's whole the, time. It's the fake energy type thing. Yeah, yeah. Or or touch somebody, so you're basically just running around the entire time, high, high fiving people and clapping, and you know, just looking like everything is jolly and sweet, but really you need you're just dying from being tired and yeah. getting screamed at. You're like exhausted. You're going around like clapping, like <laughs> everything's going perfect. Like, hey, good yeah. shot, good shot, Keenan. Like you're just saying random stuff. I will be like, yeah. hey, screw you, Keenan. Like just clapping. Like, just like in the text shooting. Hey, Keenan, what are you watching tonight on Netflix? Just yeah. clapping, just saying something. Just look like you're you have energy. Yeah, don't yeah. look so dull. So he won't say anything to yeah. you. Don't don't say anything to me. Just keep clapping. <laughs> All right, so I'm going through because uh, I put a poll out on Twitter and mm-hmm. uh, people. Came into my or they they slid they slid into my DM saying, "Hey, you got to ask Keenan these questions." And I have mm-hmm. hold on, let me see one, two, three, four, five. I have six questions from Twitter mm-hmm. that people wanted to ask, and they said, uh, one guy said he said, "What is he wants to know the best player you have ever played against?" Uh, best player I ever played against, um, Frank Mason and Buddy Hill were. Top two players I've played in, like, just like in a real game where I'm actually just like locked in and, you know, competing. Like, they, some of their performances they put on, especially Buddy Hill his senior year, was just mm. like unbelievable. Um, you know, witnessing him drop that, it was, um, you know, witness, witnessing him drop, what is like 48 points at Kansas to Allen Fieldhouse. Yeah. Yeah, that was, mm. that was insane. And then 
uh, going to play him at OU his senior year. Shots. Like, it was like some of the craziest stats ever. And it was just like he barely even broke a sweat that year. So it was, it was pretty crazy to see that. <laughs> I remember, uh, what was it? I know you weren't, there were some games you weren't guarding him, uh, Frank Mason. But yeah. I remember one year, uh, Frank Mason had like, he had like 30. It was at Kansas uh, when we lost mm-hmm. to him or something. And uh, I think it was the first year with Beard. And we were watching film the next day. And <laughs> Coach Beard, I guess Naeem was guarding him. He was like, Naeem, Frank Mason, like he didn't even break his sweat. Like he didn't even take a shower <laughs> after the game. He had 30 points. Yeah, yeah. He whipped your ass. He didn't even take a shower. It was like a video game for him. <laughs> like, I was like, yeah, that's pretty yeah. much what I saw yeah. too. He was just out there. But like, it's like, okay, this guy is not even breaking a sweat, but he's the best player on the court. Yeah, it was it was pretty insane. Yeah, he was he was great. Him and Buddy Hill were just you know crazy to watch. All right, second question from Twitter: Plans after basketball? Um, after basketball, I really, I'm really um trying to get into you know real estate. I've actually been mm. kind of reading up on some stuff. I've have I have a couple teammates who've already been investing, so. That's the one thing that's pretty cool about, you know, being a pro and being around guys with, you know, more money than usual that you actually learn from older guys that have properties and can kind of put you on game about certain stuff. So I really want to get into investing in properties because I honestly don't want to just have a office job or something after I'm done. Yeah. So I want to build, I don't know whether it be an apartment complex, just whether I'm buying homes and fixing them up and selling them for more or and also just really I'm about to start learning how to get into stocks and just yeah, learn how to make money and from different different outlets. Yeah, make money for yourself. I mean, spend your mm-hmm. invest your money wisely so then that way you don't have to I mean, you're never going to sit down and have a desk job. I mean, the money you're making, dude, you're not going to retire from basketball and be like, "Okay, now I'm going to go work for corporate America and sit down and have a desk job." I mean, yeah, I can see Big 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 tip for the podcast I've learned Save money is wasted money. Put your money <laughs> towards something. Right. Whether but, not not just all don't don't take all your money and just dump it somewhere, but you have to invest your money in something. Do something, no. but just don't let it sit. I know you have to the, the saying I, I've heard is a fool and his money are soon parted. Yeah, I remember in so obviously I've been to Vegas with you and Norrance and mm-hmm. you know Norrance and I like to gamble, but you you like to hang out like you, you go with us, so it's like, yeah. you're you're watching us. You're sitting at the table. It's fun to watch you lose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you're. It's just funny because of, like we're trying like Keenan, bro. You sure you don't want to play? You sure you don't want to gamble? Like you sure you don't want to play blackjack? And you're just sitting yeah. like you're you're really frugal with your money and you're smart with it. And you're just like, no, I'd rather just sit here and you know watch you and Norrance lose y'all's money. I'm like, oh, okay, Keenan. I can't, man. The, the the feeling of losing money, like when I've tried to gamble before and. I could win twenty dollars, but if I lose that twenty dollars, I feel like I just lost a hundred. Like it yeah, it's sucks. like it's like feeling like you just lost a basketball game or something. <laughs> exactly, it's the worst. All right, third question. Oh, this is a funny one. Can you ask him if he has a girlfriend? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. Um, <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> yeah, all right, that's that's an easy one. Yeah, you haven't you haven't found like some girl out in Bosnia that you're yeah, interested in. Okay, slide in my DM. No, I'm yeah, 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 slide. <laughs> I'll refer. I'll say, yeah, here, slide his DMs. Um, okay, next one. Uh, what do you What do you miss most about Lubbock? Um, I don't know. I just miss 
I guess when, once you graduate college, you kind of just miss that atmosphere of just being around everyone. Everyone you're around is pretty much your age, no matter where you walk, where you go to class. Like everyone is your age and can kind of relate in a way. So it's just kind of like that, that time in your life where you you're just making a lot of friends and you're just around. Basically, you're just around people your age and you're just having fun. Mm. All right, next. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. Uh, okay, next one. Your fun. Who is your funniest teammate of all time? I know. Probably Devin. Devin. Yes, Devin dude. Thomas. Devin Thomas is the <laughs> Devin funniest Thomas guy. Is hilarious. And I even talk to him now. So he and he is just like one of the funniest guys ever. And like and on his visit at Texas Tech, you would have never guessed it because he was kind of just quiet. Getting and serious, people, yeah. Once he signed a letter, that that letter of intent, and you know, got on campus, he just became the <laughs> funniest guy ever, and he still has me laughing about memories. Um, and today, uh, today, yeah, him and uh, <laughs> Naeem is a close second, but they used to go, yeah, they used to go back and forth, and it was a show Definitely. almost. Like I would, I remember uh, this past year. I mean. There wasn't, uh, we didn't have quite the comedians in the locker room, but so I'm like, after practice, I kind of put on my clothes and get out of there. But when, when Devin and Naeem were there on the team, like I would put on my clothes and like, I'm already dressed yeah. and ready, but I would stick around the locker room just to hear what Devin and Naeem were going to go into about. Yeah. Nah, it was, a, yeah, it was, it was just something, something goofy every day. It was something goofy every day to be said. Whether whether it's some somebody getting dunked on in a game, we just lost or crossed over. He had something to say about it. <laughs> Yeah, not Devin. <laughs> Devin, well, Naeem was the type of guy that he would, like, he, he was big on practice film. Like, if he ever did something great in practice, like, if he dropped somebody up with a crossover, <laughs> he would he would find a way. Like, he would go watch film with Max and record it and then send it in the group message saying, like, with yeah. the eye emoji. Yeah, he'd never want to watch film before that, but, but when he yeah. does something like that, he'll definitely go in. He goes straight to the film room. And that concludes another episode of the Drew Screw Podcast. Keenan, can you go ahead and remind our listeners about Hub City Design? I know, you, I know you're aware about them. Hey, podcast listeners. Y'all should check out uh, Hub City Design. They have great last-minute Christmas gifts for embroidering logos, and, and that's on any products such as hats and apparel. So if you need any um, last-minute Christmas gifts, y'all should go check that out. Hey, do you mind uh, getting me like maybe a hat for Christmas? I'll think about it, man. Um, since you're my roommate, I might, I might yes. have to do something for you. God, thank you, man. I've been waiting on this moment. <laughs> Hey, thanks for coming on the show, brother.